The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. And um, hey, we want to say a couple of things before we... Yeah, there's one honk, so that's great. Um, no. Okay, wait, wait, before, huh, time, time out. Before you do that, why don't we do it this way? Everybody, why don't we give a big honk for Happy Mother's Day? Try that. Ready, go. <laughs> there you go. All right, we need to keep, we need to honk, keep the, keep the honking to a minimum because we don't want to drive the neighbors crazy. But we do want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And my hope would be that you've got some time, whether it's to make a phone call or maybe you're going to be able to spend some time together, maybe outdoors or whatever. But do not forget it is Mother's Day. So honor your mom one way or another. Also, we wanted to let you know that typically on a Mother's Day, you know, we would have some fun, creative stuff we would do in our building on a stage. But this year, based on our situation, it's a little different. But what we what we chose to do, and this really goes back to for all of us, nobody likes the idea that, that people would go without meals. Nobody likes the idea that there's people struggling to, to, to get income and then get meals for their families. And so we've always had great partnerships, including with our food banks. And so um, in partnership with the Marysville Community Food Bank and the Snohomish Food Bank, because we have a campus in Snohomish, um, we're uh, donating $5,000 in the name of Grove Moms to the food banks to help them out. And so um, just wanted to let you all know that. We felt like that was a, an appropriate way to honor moms and to help in our community um, during this time. Uh, during this time. So just a heads up there. Um, as we jump into our series, we're in a series called Welcome to the Jungle. It's a series on relationships and really the jungle of relationships that you and I find ourselves in, whether it's immediate family in a home or it's extended family or it's friendships and coworkers or whatever it might be. The fact is every one of us has some level of relationship with others and it really can feel like a jungle. So we're in a series called Welcome to the Jungle. We're we're walking through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you've missed any in this series, you can always go to grove.church and take a listen or watch online to get caught up a little bit. But 1 Corinthians 13 is where we're at. And then we'll also land in Genesis chapter 37. So we'll jump into that here momentarily. I think all of us know that the human body can do amazing things. If you think about, or if you've ever watched America's Got Talent, you see you know, people like swallowing swords and fire, people, you know, dislocating limbs in order to fit their bodies in tiny little boxes or the way that they like do dances and flips and pyramids and crazy stuff on that show, you realize, wow, the human body really is amazing. And I don't have that kind of talent, um, but I have others. There are some that are, are you're watching right now and you can like move your ears without touching them, move them back and forth. Some of you can do the Dwayne The Rock Johnson one eyebrow up, one eyebrow down kind of look. Um, and according to science, and that's such a general thing to say, but according to science, about 33% of the human population can flare their nostrils. Now, I'm one of those, maybe you're one of those. The problem I have with the flaring the nostrils thing is that I find myself at times flaring my nostrils, and not only does it feel like I can get a Buick in there, but it also makes me look like I'm upset, and there are times where I may be explaining something you're in a conversation and somebody misinterprets like that I'm upset or angry because somehow my nostrils are flared. And I'm like, oh man, that's not what I was trying to convey. I don't want to look like I'm angry. Well, we've probably all heard that 85% of communication is body language. 
you know, how we interact, you know, based on hands and eyes and face and all that stuff. And it is amazing how powerful they are. When we're excited, our eyes, our pupils actually dilate. When we're upset, you know, our brow furrows. Um, you know, crocodile tears come when we have a deep empathy or a deep sadness and we sit more straight when we're uncomfortable and we wring our hands or we tap our feet or tap a pencil when we're nervous. And, and I don't know what your tells are. I don't know, you know, always what your body language is, but I think of a verse in Genesis 4 that says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And that right there creates a picture for you and I when we hear it. You think of somebody that looks dejected, that looks upset, that somehow their body language is saying that something is wrong. And we'll come back to that here in a few moments. But in part four of Welcome to the Jungle, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. And just a couple of words, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to these. But um, if you've ever heard 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, and I'm going to start at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It's not easily angered. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Uh, love always protects, always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, I'm going through that quickly on purpose, but many of us have heard those verses read at a wedding. You've seen the bride come down the aisle and the groom come out in the tux and everybody's there and those words are read or they're quoted or the, the minister talks about what those words are about. But I want to tell you this, those words were not specifically written by Paul for a, a bride and a groom in a wedding ceremony. Those words were written specifically for two reasons. One, because the church at Corinth needed to understand what love is and Paul writes that describing God's love in Christ for you and for me. So when you read love is patient, love is kind of great for a wedding, fine, because it applies, but that's not why it was written. It's a reminder of God's love for us in Christ and a reminder of how you and I, through the work of the Holy Spirit, are called to love other people in the relationships we have all around us. And so it's a great reminder. Now, let me just go back to verses four and five, where it says, um, love does not envy, love does not boast. And then it says, fast forward a little bit, love is not easily angered. We're gonna talk today about envy and jealousy and anger, because those things play at certain times in all of our hearts to one level or another, depending on the situation we're in. Now, let me go to Genesis 37 for a minute, and we're gonna look at this picture of what envy is, because it's easy for you and I to look at the word envy or jealousy and think, well, I mean, there's a little bit in there, but it's just kind of there. Here's the thing, it doesn't just stay right there. It doesn't remain parked right where it is. It actually takes you down the road to a wreck later on if we don't deal with it. Now, look at Genesis 37, and I'm going to read for you. So Genesis 37, it says this, starting in verse 2. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. He brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. So he made him an ornate robe to wear. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, he hated him all, he, he, they hated him all the more. They said to him, listen to this dream I had. 
Oh, sorry. Then, sorry, Joseph had uh, a dream, verse five. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood straight while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he had said. Then, verse 9, he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. Listen to this one. The sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and your and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. Look at verse 11. His brothers were jealous of him. Now, I'm going to pray and then we'll walk through this. God, I pray for your spirit to work, to transform, to challenge us where there's envy, where there's jealousy, where there's in some of us that anger because we haven't dealt with these things. God, help all of us through your spirit to be challenged and possibly changed, God, as we leave here today in your name. Amen. This story is insane. I mean, this is the extreme version of what's going on here, but it's an insane story. So there were 11 sons at this point of Jacob. So in the Old Testament, you had the the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has at this point 11 sons. And his favorite is the one born to basically his favorite wife. He was a polygamist, unfortunately, and he had a bunch of wives. And and, uh, Joseph was born to his favorite wife, Rachel, in his old age. And so he favored Joseph. And he gives him a coat. You've heard of Joseph and the coat of many colors, the Technicolor dream coat. It comes out of that verse. He makes him this beautiful coat. And his brothers are well aware that, that his dad loves him more than the rest of them. And they're really upset about the situation. It's not a lot different at times than sometimes the family you and I live in where we hear stories of, well, they're the favorite, or we've joked at family gatherings about you were always mom's favorite, or I'm the favorite. And and honestly, while it can be in a joking way, sometimes there feels like there's real truth to the weight of, well, they're the favorite and everybody knows it. And the truth is, it really can mess with the hearts of people when that's actually the case. Well, that's exactly what's going on here. So he has this dream. He's a tattletale. First of all, he goes out and sees the brothers doing what they're doing. And he comes back and tells his dad. And then he has a dream. And he has the audacity. I don't know, he's just a moron. But he tells it to his brothers. So he, he shares the dream. And like, are you kidding me? He, basically, the, the, the grain bows down and he's standing up. And, we think we're going to bow down to you? You think that's really what's going to happen? And of course, because Joseph was the last born, the youngest, it would have been unheard of that, that he would rule over them in any stretch. So they're like, this is ridiculous, and they get upset. Well, then he has another dream. The sun, the moon, basically dad, mom, and 11 stars, there would be another brother later, would all about, that's the dream. So then he goes and tells his brothers again, and they're furious. Like, are you kidding me? And his dad finally pulls him aside and says, dude, you got to quit telling them this kind of stuff. You really think I'm going to rule over you? And they're not exactly happy about what's going on with Joseph. Well, like I said, this envy and jealousy doesn't stay parked. As the chapter continues, and I'm going to paraphrase, basically, Joseph goes out again. His father sends him out. Joseph goes out again and... and um, checks on what they're doing and he's going to report back to the brothers but when or the, the dad but when the brothers see him coming they they huddle up and they're like hey guys I got an idea here comes that dreamer we we hate him let's kill him 
And I'm sitting here, when you're reading this, I'm thinking like, somebody's not taking their antipsychotic meds. Like, I don't know which brother said it, but something's way wrong here. But that's their idea. And then Reuben, who has some level of compassion, is like, well, let's not kill him. Let's just hide him in a cistern and sell him off into slavery as if that's a whole lot better. These guys are a disaster. But that's exactly what they do. Reuben somehow wants to rescue him. It doesn't work out. He ends up sold off into slavery as you continue to read in Genesis. But this is the plight of the brothers. And it goes back to what it says in verse 11. His brothers were jealous of him. And so this again is a disaster, but you've got to stop for a second and think. This is the power of jealousy. This is the power of envy when we let it take us down the road that we shouldn't go down. And it's a question for you and for me. I'm not going to act for a moment like it doesn't exist at times in my heart where I'm like, you know what? I'm not exactly excited about that person who it seems like they always get the breaks, their life, their blessing, their, you know, things they have. And instead of celebrating the, the highlights of their lives, instead I compare to them what I don't have and I feel something rise up in me. And it's really not an uncommon tale. It's something we all need to consider. Heather and I, 21 years of marriage this year, we have four kids, nine, 12, almost 15, and 17 years old. And there's no doubt at different times in our family dynamic, and our kids are awesome, but we see it rise up because the, the difference between nine and, and 12 and 14 and 17, they get different rights depending on their age. They get different bedtimes. The older you are, the later you go to bed. The, the, the older you are, the more selection of TV or movie choices you have in our family. The older you are, practically, we all know this, you get 15, you get a permit, 16, you can maybe learn to drive and get your license and you get the freedom to go places if you have the insurance and the gas and you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So they get more rights, but I see it. Well, how come they get to? Well, how come they get to? Well, how come they get to? And Heather and I all the time have to stop and put out the fires of, well, how come they get to? But here's the thing. Oftentimes as adults, we have no one in our lives that can stop us when we're thinking in our minds, well, how come they get the new whatever? Well, how come they got the raise and I didn't? Well, how come their boss gives them a promotion or a bonus? I don't get that. And as kids, as parents, we can try to smoke that out and deal with it. But as adults, it's a lot harder for someone to stop you and go, hey, let's talk about this a little bit because I sense that there's maybe a little bit of jealousy Instead of celebrating, I'm not seeing that in you. And we don't hear those people talking to our lives because somehow we're adults and we're all too mature for that. When the truth is, if we're honest, we're not too mature for that. We just maybe don't necessarily allow people to speak into our lives that really, really, really do need to. I think of, and this is just a little bit of a sidebar, but I think about the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Because they, they, at a certain point, you know, he, Jesus is being tried by Pilate and, and Pilate's, you know, wants to have Jesus released, but the Pharisees, the religious leaders won't let him. They're basically the pastors of the day and they won't let him be released. Now think about this for a minute. It specifically says in Matthew 27, 18, listen, Pilate knew they handed Jesus over because of envy. Think about that. The, listen, these are the pastors of the day. These are, as Max Lucado would say, these are the, the, the baseball coaches and the, the, the carpooling friends, the individuals that live next door, and they decide, let's just have them killed. It's a mess. 
Let me go back, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit today. Let me go back to Genesis chapter 4, where it says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face downcast? Listen to these words. The Lord says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. This is the linchpin to the story of Cain and Abel. They were brothers. And jealousy crept into the heart of Cain. And it wasn't Abel's problem. They both, as they grew up, offered sacrifices to the Lord. And it says that Abel brought the first fruits of the best to the Lord. And Cain brought basically some scraps from the leftovers he had. And it says that the Lord looked favorable on Abel, but not Cain. It wasn't Abel's fault. It was Cain's issue. He didn't have the reverence and it gets worse. So he's all upset. And the Lord says what I just quoted. He's angry. Now, why? Do what's right. Otherwise, sin's going to grab you and take you down that road. You shouldn't go. And, and then as time goes on, it says that, that Cain killed his brother Abel. Listen, and the Lord shows up again in this conversation they have. The Lord says, where's Abel? As if the Lord doesn't know. Where, where's Abel? You know what Cain's response is in his irreverence and hard heart? Am I my brother's keeper? Do you know what the answer to that question is? Yes. For every one of us, are, am I my son's keeper? Am I my parent's keeper? Am I my friend's keeper? Am I my co-worker's keeper? Am I my neighbor's keeper? The answer to that question is yes. It is your job to build up and help and encourage and protect the people around you you have a relationship with. Instead of living in an envy and a jealousy and, and talking bad and getting angry and not thinking or hoping the best for other people. In the world we live in, it's so easy to get jaded and especially with social media, to, to slander and gossip and, and, and talk down to people we've never even met. Well, I mean, they're, they're not really my, I don't really know them. So you're saying the difference would be if you actually knew them, you wouldn't talk to that way about them? Is that, is that how that works? It's no different than Cain saying to the Lord, am I their keeper? It's a slippery slope in our heart when we let things abide that shouldn't be there. And when we live with a jealousy, or we live with an envy, or we live with an anger towards other people, it's a warning sign. The dash lights are flashing. Something's not right, and you got to deal with it, or this whole thing's going down. Paul makes a point to the churches in the region of Galatia when he says in chapter 513, Sorry, 5 verse 15. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. What does that mean? When you don't deal with the stuff in your heart in relation to other people, it's a really lonely world. It comes down to the, the basic anchor of this whole idea. If you devour one another now, you'll only have yourself later. And that is not what God wants. That is not his plan for our lives to live in isolation because if I don't get my own way, I'm writing people off. I don't appreciate that somehow they get what I don't. And because we live there, our lives become a very lonely place because we don't have real relationship. We only have relationship based on how we want it to be, based on how we want it to go. And that makes it really difficult 
to enjoy the depth that God would want us to have in relationship to others. Which takes us back to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered and keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If you want to love somebody the way that God has designed us to, think about God's love in Christ and pray, God, I want to love like that. Let me ask you a couple of questions before we end and I'm going to pray. Instead of being jealous of what someone else has, what if you chose to be grateful for what you have? Instead of being jealous of what you don't have, what if you were grateful for what you do? Another question, instead of being envious of others, what if you celebrated with them instead? Like I said, they get the promotion, they get the pay increase, they get the new something at the house, they get the the, the vacation something or other, and instead of jumping right to wish I did, and again, there's nothing wrong with going, that'd be fun, I'd love to do that someday, but but it's something that more, it's more that it eats at you. How come they always... How come they get? It's something that eats at, it's not just a, I'd love to have a new car someday. Nothing wrong with that. But it's more, it's, it's when it eats at you in something that isn't healthy, that you can't just celebrate the good fortune of other people. And finally, instead of anger, because Paul says love is not quick or easy to get angry. What if instead of anger, you embody, and here's the prayer, What if you embodied humility and graciousness? Lord, help me to walk in humility. Lord, help me to be gracious. Not everybody does things the same way I do them, thinks the same way I think about stuff, responds the way I do or is quick to to, to do whatever I would do. None of us is perfect, which is why humility and graciousness is such a need in every relationship in this jungle of people that God has placed us in. Let me pray. Father, in every one of us, we we can lean towards being envious, being jealous. We get get quick uh, to become angry. And it's really, okay, it's not a big deal, but ultimately it is. It's, It's a pathway that leads to destruction if we don't deal with it. And it becomes a very lonely existence, to shut everybody out because nothing went my way. It didn't happen the way I wanted. I didn't get noticed. They always got that life becomes very, very lonely, and that's not how you want us to live. So Father, deal in every single one of our hearts with the fact that these are realities. I'm not up here as a pastor exempt from it. It's something that surfaces at all kinds of random times, but as we look at the inventory of our hearts, as we read what Paul says about love, God, 
I pray through your spirit, we begin to love more like Jesus. It's in your name I pray today. Amen. Hey, I appreciate you all joining us on this awesome, awesome, basically fake summer day because it's going to get rainy again. But um, before we head out real quick, I want to give you a couple of directions. First of all, based on the gut, we read the governor's letter to churches and talked about not handing things out. So as you came in, we didn't have a program or kid stuff that we typically have, um, but we do have bins at the exit. And, and again, that's just, if you have giving that you want to give, we appreciate your financial faithfulness um, as we continue to be the church. So that is deeply appreciated. But if you have anything you want to drop off on your way out, Feel free to do that. Obviously, no pressure to do that. And then, of course, if you want to give virtually, you can give online at grove.church. Um, that's simple enough as well. Uh, if you just go to grove.church and click on the media link, and there's some directions there. But again, we appreciate your faithfulness, so there's that. Second thing is, um, on your way out, make sure you follow the parking crew because we do have an order to it, and it is intentional. And part of it is we're trying to minimize the crazy traffic into the neighborhood just because we don't want to make the neighbors nuts. It's also why I said let's minimize the honking because that could get probably kind of crazy for those living. Uh, right around here. So appreciate that. A um, couple other things real quick. Um, we are, like I said, we're making that donation in honor of moms to the Marysville and Homish Food Banks. So that's great. But in our partnership, we're also doing an iHeart project now. You might've saw the video a couple weeks back as we're going, hey, it's not going to happen in August or July like it has. We're doing it now. That partnership, one of the projects is this. We're partnering with the Marysville and Homish Food Banks. And this Saturday from five to eight, three hours from five to eight, um, we're going to be doing a, a food drive. So we'll be here at the church parking lot for the Marysville Food Bank. Encourage you when you shop this week, if you go to the store, grab a sack of non-perishable items, drop them by because we want to continue to partner. The need is very big. So we want to do that. That's happening here and at the food bank in Snohomish. If some of you guys are coming from that campus for, for this, um, appreciate that. On top of it, we're doing a virtual telethon for giving. So we're encouraging people from five to seven. So only two hours, not three. From five to seven, we're going to be live on Facebook. We're going to be sharing some stories of what's going on in our community. We're going to be doing some interviews with some of our community leaders and other people, as well as we've got people stepping up already saying, hey, we want to match dollar for dollar between this window of time. And we want to, you know, so if somebody gives 500 bucks, we'll match that if they call in in the next five minutes. Just things like that where we're trying to raise money to help our food banks, help our community get some of the stuff that they need. So we appreciate your partnership. That's happening this Saturday, Mar uh, sorry, March, May 16th from five to eight. Finally, and this is a last but not least, but this is Jordan Munoz's last Sunday with us. And we wanted to let you know that we had announced it already. We've been talking a little bit about it, but um, he took a job in California. He starts June 1st. Jordan, come on up here, man. But um, it's a conversation that we began back in uh, October. You had said, hey, I don't know what's going on. But I just feel like a transition's come in and I know that your wife's family's out in California and, and you know, just getting down there and stuff. But um, Man, I just want to take a moment and say a couple things and, and honor and pray for Jordan. But um, he's been with us four years, him and Vanita, and we love them and we love Sayla and we love uh, Kyla, great, great little kiddos. But um, I just want to pray a blessing because Jordan has, has been awesome to use his gifts to make our church better, to help you and I encounter the presence of God in a very real way through his gift of music. And so we just want to say thank you, man. And even as we talked back in October, and now the transition is seven months later, man, we've been walking this journey. And again, you've been gracious and just kind of talking about it and kept open communication. But uh, man, I appreciate your heart. 
I just want to pray a blessing. If you want to say anything in, in a moment here, you can. But um, man, I just want to pray. So can we just, let's just agree in prayer, trying to practice social distancing. But, um, God, we love Jordan and Vanita. We love Kyla and Sayla and, and just pray for you to, to be their covering as they head down to California. And God, it's a great church. And I got to talk with the pastor and what a great opportunity. So we pray for blessing. We're going to miss them and they're going to miss us. But we just thank you that it's okay. You're in this, you got this. And so you're going to go before them. I pray even as they've packed up and they're selling their house that you would take care of those details, their transition into California again and, and, and into the new church that God, it would just have your hand all over it, Lord. Just a sense of peace, a sense of encouragement, a new season, God, of, of, of different things that are gonna be awesome and a great relationship with the staff and the pastors there and just all of it to go so well. Bless them a, a, a thousand times over, really, God, for how much they really have blessed us. We're grateful. We're thankful. We love them. And thank you that you're going before them in Jesus name. And everybody honked. Amen. Okay. Let's just do that. So there you go. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Jordan, you want to say anything, man? Just that you guys really are. We mean this part of our family. You always will be. Vanita and I and our girls are going to miss you so much. And we'll still be in touch. We'll still visit. So it's not goodbye. It's just see you later. Thank you for all your love, all your support, the relationships. There's too many to name. We really, really just felt so much love while we were here. And we love you guys back. So thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. Love you guys. Well, hey, thanks again for being here. Appreciate your time today. Go celebrate Mom's Day. Go do something outside, at least for today, and uh, wear sunscreen. But anyways, God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.